If I ask you about your communication skills, most of us immediately instinctively think of our ability to express our ideas with words. And I would like to submit to you that in a biblical vision, the finest art of communication is the ability to understand the other person. The Proverbs speak to that with such poignance, the fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinion. How many times have you and I been fools in conversations? Where we weren't finding pleasure in understanding the other person, we were delighting in airing our own opinion. Today on the Song Time broadcast, a powerful message from Dr. Ted Tripp as we continue our series, A Proverb a Day in May, talking about communication, especially how we communicate with those who come behind us, how we communicate and articulate the gospel to the next generation. Stay tuned for that, but first we're joined once again by Lydia Brownback as we talk about how to approach the book of Proverbs as a study guide and a part of this whole month-long study looking at the book of wisdom for the sake of growing in our faith. The many voices are coming together for that one message. I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. Our series, A Proverb a Day in May, is a reminder that we need to be getting into some wisdom literature. And the book of Proverbs is a great resource. And it's a lot of fun, especially during this whole series. You read the corresponding chapter with the the day on the calendar, the day of the month. So it's Proverbs chapter 5 today. Read through it, find your favorite proverb, and let us know. Share it on social media with the hashtag, A Proverb a Day in May. But reading through the book of Proverbs, you're going to find some verses that seem to make promises that they cannot fulfill, guarantees that really aren't always the case. Because the book of Proverbs, unlike the rest of Scripture, does not deal in absolutes. It's teaching general principles, and that can be hard a hard pill to swallow, yet it is crucial to the point of wisdom. Our guest this week is Lydia Brownback, and she's written two great Bible studies on the book of Proverbs. One of them is called A Woman's Wisdom, how the book of Proverbs speaks to everything. And Lydia, this is a subject that I'm sure concerns a lot of our listeners and the readers of the book of Proverbs. When they get to a verse that makes a promise that seems such a, a true nugget of wisdom and truth, but but yet it's not always consistently true. It's not a guarantee. How do you go about explaining that uh, to your readers and our listeners? Yeah, that's a mistake I think some people can make is to take the observations that the father is making to the son as kind of promises to say, well, my son, if you follow this road, this is the inevitable outcome. If you're careful with your money, you're going to get rich. If you, you know, there's no guarantee about that. If you're wise, you're going to be wealthy. If you, you know, if you're lazy, you're going to end up in poverty. I mean, so, so think about those two things in particular. Those are, those are true when you generally, um, if we're good stewards with our resources, we're going to benefit from that in the same way that if we're not, we won't. Uh, but there are seasons in our lives where we all see people who are shifty and lazy who get very wealthy and on the backs of other people. And, and yet we see those who strive and strive and work very hard and never can seem to get ahead financially or just just to be able to get out from underneath mountains of financial care. So that's why we can't look at them as promises. Um, These are, that's what wisdom is. It's observations of the world and how God has designed it to work. And if we live this way, the way Proverbs tells us, not only do we profit, but as we live out what he says is what, prove that his word proves true. We're told that every word of God proves true. 
Mm. And we will see that in our lives, whether it's a promise for our own personal life or not, we stand back and observe this is, this is how God designed the world to work. I think one of the verses that has been uh, sort of a, a used as a, a kind of a billy club is uh, in Proverbs 22, training up a child, uh, verse 6, in the way that they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. Uh, for any parent who has raised children and uh, examines in the past, and in hindsight, all of the mistakes they made, if they have a prodigal child, uh, they're inevitably going to beat themselves up over over that verse and feel that it is ultimately their fault uh, that their right. child walked away. Uh, that's not a healthy way to look at these these passages, correct? Exactly. That's basically condemning a parent. That's that's. If you look at this and think this is what inevitably happens, I must have done something wrong. If your child isn't walking with the Lord, then you do blame yourself. If you take this as an absolute. And so that's why another reason we know we're not supposed to. But if you think about it, train up a child in the way he should go, and he will not depart from it. That the principle still holds, mm-hmm. doesn't it? So, so the, what's the alternative to say it doesn't matter how I raise my child? Of course, it matters. And uh, this is where there are no we as human beings want a guarantee. We want a a a blanket sort of saying, okay, if I'm going to do this. This is what the manual says. So if I, you know, if I follow the directions, this is going to be the inevitable outcome. We, in that sense, we kind of do feel more comfortable if we can put God in a box like that. But He will not be put in a box. And 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 at the same time, this is the, the principles are still true. He is kindly saying, this is how things typically work. So what would be an example if it doesn't work? Well, you know, think about all the different purposes God has. Look at the life of Job. You know, we think about him, and he, he was considered a wise and godly man, and yet he lost everything he had. And uh, so where, were, where was the, the wisdom there? I mean, he, he had the fear of the Lord. He, he, he loved, you know, he, he walked with God faithfully. We were told in the beginning of the book there that he's blameless. And yet, how did life work out for him? He lost his money, his livelihood, his children, his health, everything. So we see right there in another wisdom book how it, it's not doesn't mean scripture's contradicting itself. It it means that God was going to do what he's going to do. He is sovereign over everything. Right there in Proverbs we see in chapter 16 man makes his plans but God directs his steps. Mm. So right there that that proverb refutes the idea that if you just plug in A you're going to get B. Whenever I'm having a conversation with a parent or a grandparent who's suffering the anguish of a prodigal, um, I, you know, hear these constantly where they're beating themselves up and saying, I did this wrong, I did this wrong. You know, this verse has been a comfort for me at teaching them to tell them specifically, uh, do not depart from the way that you should go. You as the parents should not start beating yourself up as though their salvation is based upon your works. Salvation is not by works, it's by grace. So don't lose your faith in thinking that you failed your child or, or grandchild. What you have been called to do is live and to walk by faith and um, your aspect of faith is to trust God, uh, to trust God first and foremost that he loves your child far more than you love your child, and yes. he is faithful. That is really the test, even in adulthood. We have to remember that the parents shouldn't walk away from the path in which they should be walking in, in being trained and to trust God. 
Absolutely. And, uh, you know, and that's why I think we look at all scripture says about parenting and uh, children to parents, parents to child and looking at it and then forming our theology of parenting that way and not just anchoring in a verse or two or in even one book of the Bible, but to look collectively at what scripture says to an issue. And we, we both know, Adam, I'm sure, parents who have done everything to raise their children in a godly home, and then the children walk away. In the same way, we know people who have come to faith, and they are thriving and, and leading the church, and they had parents who abandoned them, or were, you know, it, it, there, there are no guarantees, but it, there is the call biblically to live out what we see, the fear of the Lord, to live out scripture in our lives with our families, with our children, to, to follow not just Proverbs, but the Apostle Paul and, and all the instructions we see. Because you know what, it pleases the Lord. We know we're, we're gonna, it's best for our family. It's, it's glorifying to God. And basically, I guess in some, we can't go wrong following the Bible's pattern in our homes, no matter what, no matter what the outcome, we cannot go wrong doing that. We've been talking with Lydia Brownback about her book called A Women's Wisdom, How the Book of Proverbs Speaks to Everything. She's written two books, including a study guide on the book of Proverbs, both great resources. And you can find out more information by giving us a call, 508-362-7070. That's 508-362-7070. We're learning the book of Proverbs. We're studying the book of Proverbs this month because we want to be able to be filled with wisdom so that we can pass it on to the next generation. Because that's ultimately what we're concerned about. It's in the news. I don't think I have to uh, point out anything specific. If you've been watching the news, you can understand how crucial it is to guard our children, the next generation, uh, what is happening around them, and the many parents that have gone before us. Uh, we might think, oh, well, you know, with my little children, I'll do something different. I, I won't have the same problems with those other parents that I know who've, who've lost their children. But look at the example and the witness of those parents who've, who've been heartbroken over prodigal children. What can be done? What should we do? in passing on our faith to the next generation. I think a lot can be said on this subject, and that is why coming up next week on Saturday, May 14th, we're having as one of our keynote speakers at the Definitions Conference, Dr. Ted Tripp, along with his wife, Margie, to talk about how to train up a child in the way that they should go. All from the book of Proverbs, a great resource on how to speak to the heart of our children. We'll also be hearing from James Benganello, who is a Christian psychologist, talking about mental health issues faced uh, facing the uh, adolescents, those children who are struggling with not just the, the allure of the world, but also the dark corruption that is causing a lot of mental issues in children and teenagers. All of these resources will be available at the Definitions Conference coming up on May 14th. To find out more information and to register to sign up for a free lunch as well as some free childcare, you do need to register. Head over to our website at songtime.com or give us a call 508-362-7070. We go now to Dr. Ted Tripp as he teaches on the book of Proverbs and the importance of passing wisdom on to the next generation. Now, obviously, if we're going to do this, brothers, I'll just spend a couple minutes on this, and I appreciate your forbearance and this extra opportunity to speak. If we're going to do the things I'm talking about, we're going to have to communicate with our kids. 
And if I ask you about your communication skills, most of us immediately, instinctively think of our ability to express our ideas with words. And I would like to submit to you that in a biblical vision, the finest art of communication is the ability to understand the other person. The Proverbs speak to that with such poignance. In chapter 18, verse 2, the fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinion. How many times have you and I been fools in conversations where we weren't finding pleasure in understanding the other person, we were delighting in airing our own opinion? I had a conversation like that one time with one of my sons. I had gone into his room to talk to him. I had something on my chest that I wanted to get off my chest. And so I, I went in, I talked to him. I wasn't abusive or mean or unkind, but I said what I wanted to say. I said, I'm glad we had a chance to talk together. I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to go to bed. So I prayed and I went to bed. A few minutes later, there's this knock on the door. Dad, are you still up? Yeah, come on in. What's up? So, Dad, I just wanted to say that when you uh, left the room, you said you were glad we had a good talk, and I just wanted to say that I, I didn't say anything. <laughs> I said, oh, forgive me. I had a good talk. You had a good listen. <laughs> sort of. If you'd been going to say something, what would you have said? He said, now this is vintage teenager. He said, I don't know. It doesn't matter now. I just wanted to say I didn't say anything. There's a subtext here. The subtext is, I'm not going to be that easy. If you want to know, you're really going to have to reach out for it. I was a fool that night. I could have said everything I wanted to say in the context of drawing him out. See, the fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. If I had been wise, I would have found pleasure in understanding him. I would have asked questions that would draw him out. And then the context of, of interacting with those questions that I had of him and, and his interactions, I could have said the things I wanted to say. I could have been wise. I had things to communicate that were appropriate and necessary. But I was a fool in the way I went about the task. Proverbs 18.13, there's another one of these. He who answers before listening, that's his folly and his shame. Well, how many times do we do that? I know what you're going to ask. The answer is no. But, but Dad, I, what part of no don't you understand? But I didn't even get a chance to ask, you, ask, ask my question. You don't have to ask your question. I'm your father. Before a word is on your tongue, I know it all together. Isn't that in the Bible? <laughs> no, I've never had my kids walk out of a conversation like that by saying, thanks, Dad, I needed that. That was a cup of cold water, you know. I, that was a reality check. Thanks, Dad. And I tell the kids at school, it's so great. I've got a dad that's a mind reader. It really makes conversation easy. <laughs> No, that's not the way the kid's going to respond. He's going to respond by feeling like, I can't get to first base with you. You won't even, you won't even let me express my question. I can't even get the words out to ask you about whether or not this is okay. Now, it may not change your answer, but we need to at least give our children the dignity of asking the question. But see, the he who answers before listening, that's his folly and his shame. Brethren, how often do we do that? Proverbs 20, verse 5, the purposes of a man's heart are deep waters, and a, man, and a man of understanding draws them out. You know, there are deep waters in our teenagers. We need to be people of understanding who draw out those deep waters. My wife has been interacting with a girl, teenage girl. She's 17 years old. Marjorie gives her counseling assignments. This child has a very broken relationship at home, and we're trying to help this family and help this girl and also help the family learn to communicate. But... In the meantime, Margie's been trying to help this girl with her struggles, and she gives her assignments, thoughtful assignments. And this young girl comes back with page after page after page that she's written out thoughtful things, not frothy things. And, and, and it's just so striking. There are these deep waters in this child. 
But her parents have been so foolish in the ways that they've communicated that they have cut off the communication. And so she's pouring out her heart to a stranger, my wife, rather than to her parent. This communication belongs to the parents. And that certainly is our goal in terms of ministry. And this is just an expedient. This is just Margie's communication with this girl is just a band-aid at this moment. And the cure is going to be the family functioning. But the fact is there are deep waters in our kids. We need to be people who know how to draw them out, who are wise in the ways that we communicate. Because if we're going to have homes where our teenagers feel welcomed, we're going to have to be able to communicate with them. What is your favorite proverb of the day for May? Mine is Proverbs 5.21. Now, I don't mean any proverb. I want you to pull out one from chapter 5. I want to see that you're really reading chapter 5 and you're meditating on it, you're processing it, and you're pulling out a particular proverb that is speaking to you. That's the way the book of Proverbs works. Uh, Various times you'll be reading through it and a different proverb will stand out to you specifically in your time and your place. So today read chapter 5 and decide which proverb is really speaking to your heart. For me, it's verse 21. For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. You know, one of the things that I think is so remarkable about this is the reality that God is our ultimate judge. He is the one who is always most offended by our sins. We answer to God first and foremost. Now, you may have sinned against somebody else, and as a parent or a grandparent, that pain of sinning against a child or a grandchild might be searing into your soul. But how do we articulate, how do we train up the next generation in the way that they should go so that when they're old, they won't depart from it? Here is a message on how to articulate the gospel to the next generation, particularly when you've sinned against them. This is a manner of walking worthy of the gospel, being humble in how we demonstrate and articulate the gospel. Tell your child, tell your grandchild, adult or little, tell them that you have sinned against them. But most importantly, you have sinned against God. And you have to answer to God for your sins, not just your child. They can forgive you, but you still have to answer to God for your sins. So you've confessed your sins because you believe the Bible, that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. And we can have confidence and hope that when we confess, he is faithful to his promises, he's faithful to his word. That is a beautiful way to articulate the gospel to a child or an adult, as well as acknowledge your sin, and in sincerity, apologizing to them, while also remembering that you have offended God first and foremost. That's what kids need to hear. They need to hear that their sin is not just your offense. You're not the one who's most offended. God is the one who is most offended. And the best way you can demonstrate that is by your own example. I hope that this encourages you, and I hope that you'll take up our challenge and and come and join us right here on Cape Cod on Saturday, May 14th for a special conference with Ted Tripp talking about uh, shepherding a child's heart. To find out more information and all of the details, head over to our website at songtime.com, register online, or give us a call, 508-362-7070. You can also uh, give us a call or write to us at Songtime Radio, PO Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or head over to our social media pages, follow us, and help us share this conference 
with those in your social networks. Don't forget to tune in again tomorrow, though. We'll continue our study with Ted Tripp as we're breaking down the importance and the wisdom of Proverbs for ourselves, but also for the next generation. Think about the incarnation as a model for communication. We don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted at every point like we are without sinning. I would have to say many times my kids have had a dad who was unable to sympathize with their weakness. On behalf of everyone here at Songtime and our late founder, Dr. John DeBrine, who has always encouraged you to grow in grace so that you won't groan in disgrace, we want to thank you for listening. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse, Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it.